I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. In the studio with me today is a new artist to Delaware, but not new in the greater Philadelphia, Wilmington area, Sheila Brown, a violist and uh, now with the Seraphim String Quartet and the University of Delaware Music Department, correct? Yes. Welcome, Sheila. It's so great to have you here. Thanks so much, Paul. And I had the pleasure of hearing you uh, not too long ago in a Seraphim String Quartet concert. Uh, just some amazing work. Uh, for our listeners, you're new to new to Delaware, not new to the greater uh, Wilmington area, but new right. to Delaware. Let's hear a little bit about your background, uh, your uh, how you became a violist, and uh, so sort of your training, where you studied, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. Well, I am from the main line outside of Philadelphia. My parents still live in the same house. They've been there for about 50 years. And so I have a very, very soft spot and, you know, a very, very soft spot in my heart for this this part of the country, although I've been gone from this area for, for quite a number of years. Um, I started viola in the public school system at Gladwin Elementary School in the fourth grade with Linda Burian, who I have still kept in contact with all these years. She's since moved from the area, but she was a wonderful strings teacher. I had actually started um, at the Bryn Mawr Conservatory with um, Dr. Baroni, who is uh, Mark Antonio Baroni's father, who was, he's since passed on. But so I had a wonderful education in Philadelphia. I was in Philadelphia Youth Orchestra from eighth grade up through the end of high school. We went on three tours to China in 1985, uh, South America, and East and West Germany. We mm. were there one month before the, the wall fell, actually, went through Checkpoint Charlie. So I was also in the Temple Preparatory Division. I studied with Evelyn Louise, who used to be principal of Philadelphia Opera Company. She was a huge force in my life for about five years through through high school. So I'm eternally grateful for all these wonderful people who were great teachers and players um, who, who brought me up through the system. I also had, had played piano, you know, since I was six. So I had a nice background in uh, keyboard before I really found my true love, which was the viola. And I did not start on violin. I started with the viola, and that was really just because I liked the name. <laughs> Interesting. I, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you why the viola. Uh, why a string instrument? Uh, do you come from a musical family where that was a background, or? Well, um, my mother is very musical. She was a, a strong amateur musician. Um, she played organ and piano growing up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from Minnesota, and my father was a rocket scientist. He worked for GE for many years out in King of Prussia, which is. Uh, why why the family had moved to this area originally he's he's from brooklyn so we have many ties to new york city as well um but you know my my family we there isn't a day that goes by that we aren't listening to you know public radio and hearing a lot of classical music i mean i i grew up just living and breathing classical music um and they took us to many many concerts my sister and i who was also a musician and so we we were just inundated from the beginning, so to speak, and you know we've we've always loved it and thought it's a very important part of of our lives and and a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Now, from the main line, where did you go to uh, to study? Uh, I went to the Juilliard School in New York, and okay. I studied with Karen Tuttle, who is actually well has been a native Philadelphian for many many years. She's now since passed on as well, but you know she taught at Curtis for many mm-hmm. years as well as she was on the faculty at Peabody. 
Um, and so I was very fortunate to catch her while she was at Juilliard, and, and she was another very important force in my life. As a matter of fact, she's become so popular in terms of her teaching methods that we now have a couple of Karen Tuttle workshops. We started one in Prague that we had for the first time this summer. So um, also in New York, we've been having one every year. So I teach on the faculty there and teach her very special methods of, of training, which were very unusual for her time period in the 50s and 60s, you know, she was teaching this holistic approach to playing not only the viola, but playing music in general, especially mm -hmm. chamber music. Um, and she was also the famous William Primrose's teaching assistant and got many of, of her ideas how to be free with the instrument from watching and working with him at Curtis as mm -hmm. a young woman. Mm -hmm. So... She's she's been quite a force for generations of violists actually all over the world. I also went on to Freiburg, Germany, to study with Kim Kashkashian, mm -hmm. who was a disciple of Karen Tuttle's. So that was really wonderful to me to get to study with you know world class soloist. And as we shared off the air, if you ever get a chance to go to Freiburg, Germany, it is just a beautiful uh, it, town. It is just amazing, magnificent, yes. magnificent yes. town. So, now, in your teaching, I. Uh, I mean, I was I was a keyboard, piano, and and brass. Uh, our our my the high school I went to did not have a string program. Yes. Uh, but I, as in teaching strings, what what are some of the basic fundamentals that you start with? I, I'm I'm just really curious about that because I mean I've I've heard this and I don't know if it's a myth or not that that it's more difficult to get a stringed instrument to the point of sounding proficient than it might be for brass or woodwind. That, that is very true. <laughs> um, just learning how to tune a stringed instrument takes a lot of skill. Um, nowadays, of course, we have apps on the phone and so on, so it's easier. And, of course, in the olden days, people would have used tuning forks. But still, you, you have to tune the A, so you have to match the pitch every single time you take the instrument out of the case. And, mm -hmm. then, of course, you have to tune in perfect fifths mm -hmm. uh, for the other three strings. For, for any of the, you know, stringed instruments that we would be talking about, violin, viola, cello, um, bass. So... It's not like when you sit down at the piano, you plunk a key and something comes out and it sounds halfway decent. I mean, mm -hmm. also just putting the bow onto a stringed instrument can can be quite screechy and mm -hmm. unpleasant, mm -hmm. um, as many parents will attest to when they're starting out <laughs> their their children um, on stringed instruments. So it it really does take quite quite a long time to get to a place where it's you know, even somewhat pleasurable to hear what's coming out of the instrument. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, we do not have frets on the fingerboard right. like a guitarist mm -hmm. would. So finding pitches for a stringed instrument, a classical stringed instrument, is a whole other ballgame. Your kinesthetic sense has to be very highly developed through the fingertips and, and in the arm, in the left mm -hmm. arm, to know mm -hmm. exactly where to put your fingers down. And, of course, moving one millimeter on the fingerboard can either get you that $100,000 a year job or not. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> if you're talking yeah. about a major symphony orchestra <laughs> in America. Right. right. Um, so it, it really is a very high, high caliber art that a lot of people, I think, just don't know, you mm -hmm. know, because they mm -hmm. haven't tried playing a stringed instrument. 
Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, most successful string players have started at a very tender age. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes years and years and years to develop those skill sets because they are second to none in terms of precision. Now, do you, te- do you teach privately? I do. So I, do you yes. have students through the whole range from beginners to advanced? Or? I, I don't. I've never <clears throat> taught beginners, but I teach advanced high schoolers and even um, sort of older middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And when I uh, taught at University of North Carolina School of the Arts, which is the first public conservatory in the nation, they have a residential high school program. So that really is is one of my favorite ages to teach is, is like, you know, eighth through um, 12th grade because mm-hmm. at that point you know the brain is still very plastic and um, many times students are not so opinionated as as you know what happens inevitably as people get into their college years and so it's a very impressionable time where you can make quick headway often mm-hmm. with players who have you know they, they get the basics and stuff but they're trying to form their own voices it's a very exciting process for me to see students grow and change and to really come into their own. And UNC School of the Arts is where you were immediately prior to coming to Delaware. Yes, I, yeah. I taught there as a yeah. professor for, for 10 years okay. before I came back okay. to the Northeast. Now, I know that you play in a number of different types of settings from solo to ensemble to, to orchestral. Uh, how does that impact, uh, how do you take that into consideration when you're teaching students repertoire? Yes, that's that's a great question. Um, mostly when we're talking about private teaching, we're teaching solo repertoire. Mm-hmm. Now, many people would say, oh, violists, we don't we don't see too many solo vo- violists these days, um, you know, or or we've never even heard of the viola. Right. So this is mm-hmm. this is one of the challenges. We actually have an amazing amount of solo repertoire that I think is is quite beautiful and exciting and, and wonderful. I, I really like to champion the viola as a solo instrument. Um, so I do a lot of that work. And um, it's it's just extremely important that when you're teaching privately that the bulk of the education they're getting in that setting is their solo repertoire. Now, I love also teaching chamber music. So if someone brings me a chamber part that they're having trouble with or, you know, whatever, um, that's that's also wonderful. But that's our golden opportunity to teach them, you know, some of the most challenging um, technical repertoire which tends to happen in the solo medium, especially for viola. Um, you know, Paul Hindemith is, he, he wrote us six sonatas. I mean, it's just kind of amazing, or actually seven, uh, se- seven sonatas, some with piano, some solo. And, you know, for someone of his caliber to have spent so much time writing for the viola, it's, it's a testament to many of the things the viola can do, a lot of times these composers who play viola have a much better handle on what the viola really can do so they can push push the envelope, mm-hmm. you know, so we're challenged. Well, th- this is fascinating. I, I want to move into sort of your, your performance history, but first I need to remind our listeners that you're tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Sheila Brown, a violist and professor now at the University of Delaware and uh, also a member, a new, brand new member of the Seraphim String Quartet. Sheila, I, I was looking at your bio on your website uh, this morning before we came into the studio. I am just astonished with the the breadth of your performance career over, I think we decided with six continents. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what are some of the highlights of that today? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I have so many highlights. Um, that That's a really hard question. I mean, I guess this this may sound cliche in a way, but I feel like any concert I'm preparing for is like my next highlight. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my most fond concert experiences are things like playing in women's prisons, you know, mm-hmm. It's it's not just playing at Carnegie Hall. I mean, I, I have played concerto, AA concerto in Carnegie Hall. I have played at Lincoln Center extensively, of course, when I was at Juilliard. And then I, I freelanced in New York uh, in my late 20s. So I, you know, played with Barry Manilow and, um, you know, played on, on David Letterman's show and, you know, have done a varied amount of things in, in pop as well as, you know, in world music and, and of course, the bulk of what I do is classical. But um, I think some of the most emotionally moving performances, like, well, I'll just give this as an example. I played a, a solo with orchestra in Alaska last December, and that was with the only women's orchestra in a prison in the United States, mm. and that's outside mm. of Anchorage. Um, and that was just an extremely moving experience for me. I mean, I worked with the the women um, for a couple of days. They had a, it's like sort of a Christmas pageant that they put on every year. And mm-hmm. they, they really prepare for this all year long. There are some lifers in there who are never getting out who, you know, killed people and things like this. And mm-hmm. they actually, you know, they play these stringed instruments and it's, you can just see how restorative it is and how people who have, you know, had very hard times in life or who have caused a lot of damage to others as well um, do continue to be healed and find something that is meaningful in their lives, even in a prison situation Mm -hmm. like that. And I just, I always feel that the power of music is something that we need to be remembering in our society you know we have budget cuts and stuff and and classical music is the first thing to be cut i just think you know what the next time you have a funeral you're gonna want that classical music right next time you have a wedding you are going to want that we turn to music in our most happiest and our most saddest Mm -hmm. times Mm -hmm. in order to restore and rejuvenate the soul Mm -hmm. um so that that concert for me was just poignant in in many ways. Um, I I'm really enjoying getting to know the Seraphin String Quartet. We had a, a very fun concert the other week. I've been in several professional string quartets over the course of my career, and um, this is just a, a really fun thing for me to do. I haven't been in the quartet world for quite a number of years now, so the the repertoire is second to none you know it's just incredible i mean this dvorak quartet we did uh g major opus 105 is is a piece that i had never gotten to play before and it's just so stunning in terms of its breadth its depth um the compositional prowess that it takes to (laughs) craft something like that that's 45 minutes long and has meaning from beginning to end um it's really a, a spiritual journey that we take every time we mm-hmm. we prepare for mm-hmm. something like that and uh now that you're here in delaware I, I mean the primary draw i assume was the university of delaware is that right well, that, or that and the seraphim and, and the seraphim string quartet you know, the seraphim is 
is in uh, residence at Correct. UD. Yes. Correct. So, I mean, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to do both things yeah. at a very high level with, with a lot of concentration. So I have a, a wonderful viola class at UD. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very impressed with the university. You know, they give a lot of, of scholarship and support to violists, especially to the, the grad um, department. So that is really wonderful because these days it's just so hard students have to pay Mm -hmm. large amounts of money for education and then of course in music people are always afraid they're not going to come out with a job well what we actually know is that you know you have a better chance of coming out getting a job if you're a performer as a classical musician than if you go into computer science and try Mm -hmm. and get an it job Mm -hmm. so you know there are a lot of myths that that as a professor and, you know, of course, we have to recruit as part of our responsibilities um, that we're trying to get the word out. You know, music is actually a, a pretty great career to go into. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, there there is some monetary reward in, mm-hmm. in most cases for mm-hmm. musicians if, you know, you work hard and um, – well, dabble in all sorts of things. You know, you don't just want to do solo or just chamber or just orchestra. You know, if if you have a varied palette, it, it I, I, it's interesting you say that because w- yeah. what was running through my head is I I remember a a theater professor once saying that a career in theater is a piecemeal career. Yes, and I I think that's the case right. with any artistic yes. discipline. Could yeah. could you sort of speak to how your life reflects that? Sure, I. I feel like I wear so many different hats and, and flexibility is is really the name of the game. You know, I play orchestra, I may play in the back of the section, or I may be principal, I may be playing a concerto, I may be playing solo on stage all by myself. I mean, then of course there's the whole quartet thing and not only is there a you know, a quartet like the Seraphim that rehearses together all the time and is working at a very high level of, of craftsmanship, but then you also have um, chamber concerts like the Master Players series, which is so wonderful at UD, um, where you put great musicians together who come together just for a couple of days. And by the end of those couple of days, you know, they have to put on a show and they may never have met these people before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're running the gamut in, in terms of um, – different jobs that you're asked to do. Now, as a professor, you're wearing so many different hats because, you know, you're you're imparting knowledge to students of different ages, right? Um, you have to be sort of the face for the university. We do a lot of outreach and things like that, especially with the Seraphim Quartet. Um, you know, you have to understand about publicity. Um, and, of course, then there's committee work and things like that, um, you know, hiring new colleagues or being on committees that, you know, further the missions of the university. So I could go on. I mean, there are just so many different things that, you know, you never thought would come into being a classical musician that becomes part of crafting a career, keeping things moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just the idea of making a CD. I mean, all the different things that go into that. Having business prowess, of course, doesn't hurt either because you need to know how to manage money and to raise money in Mm -hmm. many cases Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, causes or or for the quartet or something like that well we have a few minutes left so i want to make sure we have time for you to uh, talk about some of the upcoming events that you're involved in some uh really exciting some uh, a little more somber but meaningful so yes well thanks paul 
So um, I'll just I'll go in chronological order. So October 23rd, which is a Sunday, we are having the University of Delaware Viola Day, which is an annual event, and we invite violists of all ages, shapes, and sizes to come. Anyone who's even a violinist who might want to find out what it's like to play the viola. Um, little kids who have just started the viola up through, you know, college and even teachers. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Karen Tuttle. I'll be giving a master class. Um, this is from one to six uh, at the Fine Arts Center over at, at UD. And let's see, then we have on October 26th, this is a, the Tony Simmons Memorial Scholarship Concert. That's at the Music School of Delaware in Wilmington. Tony Simmons was the original violist of the Seraphin String Quartet, of which mm -hmm. I'm a part. Um, and he died tragically in a car accident in 2005. But so um, Kate Ransom, who was one of the violinists in the Seraphin, she's also the CEO and president of the music school of Delaware. And so this is a concert she started in order to raise scholarship for the students. And it's mm -hmm. a very high, high level at that school. That's at 7 p.m. And then we've got about a minute left. So I know there's at least one more item you wanted to mention. Yes. Um, Danny Peak, we are having a celebration of Danny's life, and that is November 7th, 630 to 8, at the Delaware Theater Company. Um, he just died about five weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we all miss him terribly. He was a very close friend of mine, along mm -hmm. with his wife, Julie Nishimura, um, and the Seraphim will be playing for that as well. Mm -hmm. um, the University of Delaware is having us play the Seraphins. We have our first concert at UD with me as the new violist, and that is November 10th at 8 p.m. at Gore Recital Hall. So, Well, that's great. I mean, just some wonderful opportunities to hear you, to hear Seraphin String Quartet in both concert settings and very meaningful a memorial settings. So I, I think it's great that that uh, the Seraphin String Quartet is doing that, and it's great that the University of Delaware and the String Quartet got you here to Delaware. It's uh, been, really been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks so much, Sheila. Thank you, Paul. It's been wonderful.